mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to wake up Memphis. Good morning, Memphis, and welcome to this Monday edition of The Morning Show. It is January 29th. Can you believe we are almost to the end of the first month of the year? Crazy how time flies, but nonetheless, we keep on chugging along like I'm doing with my coffee this morning. I was thinking about this. What did people do before coffee? Do we live in a world where there was no coffee? I don't know how people function without coffee. As you can tell, I have about two cups in me this morning, and I'm thankful for it. I just genuinely wanted to get that off my chest. I could not do this morning show. Yes, Dylan does incredible work. Yes, the team here on the morning show do exceptional broadcasting. Trip is also one of the latest crew members on the morning show. Couldn't do it without those guys, but couldn't do it without the coffee. So now that I've got that off my chest and I feel very grateful and thankful, let's jump into it. So I, have a, I had a very busy day on Friday and we kind of talked about it where we were going to have the Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, the House Speaker Cameron Sexton drop by the studio after the big presser downtown to address our crime problem. Well, that happened and excited to share a KWM exclusive the only radio station to get those two in studio and sit down with us. And we'll share that conversation at eight o'clock this morning. The press conference was pretty, pretty big for transparency into the bail system. And I'll let the house speaker explain it for himself. I pulled the audio from the press conference in just one second, but it's all of basically the state having to come in and take power away from local judges and judicial commissioners because they look at a very violent, violent offender and they let them back out of jail. Now, all of this happening, while it is a complete bloodbath and war zone in the city of Memphis, and think about it, they are in town to talk about crime. And that weekend, they're just so happy to be 17 people shot in our city. 17 people shot since Friday, nine killed. That's insane. The latest, a quadruple shooting, two dead, two wounded. I have a story of a young mother. She was a mother of two little kids, was shot Saturday in Frazier. Unbelievable. So we go downtown. You have the entire world of everybody that makes a decision about something relating to crime. At this press conference, You had the district attorney there. You had the police chief, C.J. Davis. You had the new mayor, Memphis Mayor Paul Young. You had the delegation. You had Republicans and Democrats on the House and Senate side. And they're all there to stop Memphis's crime problem. Because with the headline I just read to you, we cannot continue, continue doing the same thing. So here was Brent Taylor. Because if it wasn't for State Senator Brent Taylor bringing the delegation from the middle part of the state to see Memphis beyond just its headline, there would have been no press conference on Friday. Here's what he had to say. Take a listen. You know, Memphis has a very long and checkered and unique and colorful past, but that past does not have to dictate our future. You know, thousands of years ago on the banks of the mighty Nile River in the shadow of the great Egyptian pyramids, In a city called Memphis, our history began. And I submit to you today, standing on the banks of the mighty Mississippi River, in the shadow of a great American pyramid, in another city called Memphis, 
our future begins. And Tennessee's future is bright, but we have to solve this crisis in crime. Tennessee will not reach its full potential as long as its most famous city is sliding into chaos. And with this group assembled here today and this amendment that we're announcing today, the slide stops today. So from Tiptonville to Turtle Town and from Memphis to Mountain City, may God bless what we're doing here today and may God bless the great state of Tennessee. And God bless Brent Taylor. I mean, because without him, we weren't getting anything else from anybody else standing up there except the Republicans. He mentioned the amendment. This amendment will end up on a ballot that you, the voter in Tennessee, will decide on whether you want judicial discretion, judges on the state level coming in and taking power away from judicial commissioners and judges here in Shelby County that are frankly not doing their job. The amendment would allow a judge to revoke bail for several capital crimes beyond murder right now. You could you. Well, I say that, but we've seen different cases. What was it? The 15 year old. If you go back, it was the end of November. The night was a Sunday night. A 15 year old was gunned down in Binghamton. Do you remember that story killed on the steps of his grandmother's home? Police made two arrests. They arrested an 18 year old Eddie White and then a 15 year old named Connor Tucker. Excuse me. By Thursday. Edio had been released on his own recognizance, even though he had confessed to authorities that he had assisted in the killing of that young 15-year-old. So this is not just a right-wing talking point, because that's what the Democrats will have you believe. Well, this will only discriminate against black people. First of all, very racist of them to automatically go there, but that's what they do. And it, it garnered national attention. So back to this amendment. The constitutional, the constitutional amendment allows for these judges on the state side to extend whether they can revoke bail. It would include things like aggravated kidnapping, second degree murder as these crimes that this amendment would cover and the language which they said would be filed by the end of this week. Here is the House Speaker on that amendment. Right now in the state constitution, we're limited based off the constitution saying that you can only deny bail, judges can use their discretion only to deny deny bail for capital offenses. So you have a lot of time, and there's a lot of cases all across our state that you've seen, not just in Memphis, but all across the state, of someone who is out on bail, who is a violent criminal, who committed another violent crime shortly thereafter that took another victim. And we don't have the tools to give due to that limiting constitutional aspect, the judges and the DAs, uh, the capability of denying bail on those violent criminals. And so what this is, is merely a constitutional amendment that we hope to propose this year that will be on the ballot at the next statewide race that would allow the judicial branch to have more discretion in denying bail. Now, Memphis Mayor Paul Young described this announcement as bipartisan. He kind of had to do that because he was flanked by Republicans to his left and right. But of course, right after the press conference, it became partisan. You had state rep, the race baiter, Justin Pearson, who was not at the press conference. I was there. I was looking for him writing this about Cameron Sexton and the Republicans coming to Memphis. He said today Cameron Sexton is coming to our city to promote more bad Tennessee House GOP ideas about public safety. We don't need more laws and policies that fail our community, lock up our children and disproportionately harm black communities. My boss said it very well. He wrote back. 
black on black black on black crime is at epidemic levels in Memphis, but Justin Pearson doesn't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about this beautiful young soul that was gunned down. Kids don't have their mom anymore. It happened on sat it happened Saturday in Fraser. And we'll share more details of that in one moment. But how the Democrats are spinning this, it was very interesting because you had the mayor. He gets up there. God bless him. And he says something rather divisive because he he did say it was a non it was very nonpartisan. But when you hear what the mayor laid out in his vision for Memphis under his watch, it is very partisan and it is split right down racial lines. Take a listen to Memphis Mayor Paul Young. I believe we have that in cut 11. Memphis was recently named the largest city in America with the highest number of African-Americans per capita. More than any city in this country. I want to make sure that that is a designation that we hold with honor, that we hold with dignity. It's one that only we can claim. When people think of Memphis, we want them to think of black wealth, black culture, a city that has a soul and a swagger that can't be replicated. That's the vision that we have and the path forward for our city. But in order to get there, we're going to have to address the issues that we have around crime. On all sides of the aisle, this isn't about partisanship. This is about us. This is about our city, our state. I mean, what about the rest of us? And I say this as a white folk in the city of Memphis, a, a white person. It just the city of Memphis not cover me? Or what about the Hispanic folks or the Asian American folks? Again, this is pandering. And his words was, quote, when people think of Memphis, we want them to think of black wealth, black culture, and a city that has soul and swagger that cannot be replicated. I don't know. Right now, with the headline coming out over the weekend that 17 people are shot, that's the last thing that people are going to be thinking of when they think of Memphis. With all due respect, Memphis Mayor Paul Young, they're not thinking about black wealth. They're not thinking about black culture. They're thinking about black-on-black crime and the victims of black-on-black crime. No one wants to talk about the victims. We do because we really believe that all lives matter. Not just the ones that advance their political agenda. You guys have responded to that because it is incredibly divisive. Janie writes this. The new mayor is worried about skin color. Yes, he is. That's what Democrats do. Dark Greedo wrote in to us on Facebook. He said, name one city that is black and that is wealthy. Heather writes this. Whites, Hispanics, and Asians only make up about 50% of the city. So does that mean groups can stop paying taxes? That's an interesting point. (laughs) If that's the case, that because the city is only for black people and black wealth, the rest of us can stop paying taxes, I guess I'm okay with that. But last check, I had to pay taxes. Now, Wesley says you missed the whole point of the statement. I mean, that was his quotes in its entirety. You can go back and listen to the full press conference for yourself. But what really is frustrating is we only want to talk about how laws like this amendment that could end up on the ballot that would change the state constitution would be disproportionately affecting black people, black 
offenders in the city. They don't want to talk about black victims of crime. And I heard that in the presser when there was an opportunity for a couple of us to ask questions. You have the guys over at the Commercial Appeal in the Daily Memphian. All they wanted to talk about was, well, this will negatively impact black Memphians. What about the black Memphians that are on the receiving end of these violent crimes? Like this woman that was shot on Saturday. Her name is Shantaria Vergis. Here is what the family had to tell Fox 13. I want you to take a listen to um, this in Cut 15. We're hurting right now. We're grieving. And Shantaria was loved by so many people. She's a beautiful person, loving mom. Uh, she loves her family. My family just has questions in regards to um, all the key events that took place. The father of her children allegedly confessed to killing that young woman in a Facebook post. Now, the family naturally is demanding justice. But guess what? He's walking free right now. That's a problem. Take a listen. Cut um, Cut number 12. She was, she was just an all-around sweet person. And, and the things that happened to her, I just, and the story that they're telling, it, it just doesn't add up. I am serious that no charges have been filed. And I'm really wishing that somebody could pick this up and have an invest, uh, a thorough investigation going on. These policies in our city are destructive and they're killing black Memphians every single day. But no one wants to talk about that here on this program. We absolutely will. We'll open up the phone lines for you guys to have your say on the morning show. Write down our telephone number. That is 901-260-5926. Number again, 901-260-5926. We'll be back in a jiff. To the morning show, buckle up, everyone. Taylor Swift is reportedly headed to the Super Bowl. This story was everywhere. She's re- reportedly expected to grace Las Vegas with her presence next month, which will be making that her 13th NFL appearance this season as her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, and the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs will be taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Now, a lot of people are are very interested in why she's making her appearance at the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I wouldn't expect her not to be there, but the reason they're saying logistically she just wants the airtime of being on your screen as an NFL viewer is because she's got a concert Saturday in Tokyo, meaning that it is possible, but barely, for Swift to hop in her private jet. She'll zoom back to the United States in time for kickoff, Should she be wills up by midnight on Sunday in Tokyo, she'd land in Vegas around 7 p.m. on Saturday, given the time difference. (sighs) Everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Now, Dylan, you were watching the game last night. Did Taylor Swift make more NFL appearances on the big screen? I'm very curious. I did not watch the game. I'll be very honest with you. This is so funny. So Travis Kelsey, obviously the tight end of the, Chiefs, the second that he scored, they were the first team to score in this game. The second that he scored, the first cut was to Taylor. You're kidding. Not kidding. Was she in the box with the mom or the brother? She was in the box. I I don't know who's there. Honestly, they were zooming in on Taylor, obviously. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she was up there with the mom. 
Well, it's getting a little bit crazy. We have so after the big win, they are you'll, you'll hear the NFL announcers, and I pulled this audio, but it was obtained by the NFL their their social media channels, and they are milking this for everything they've got. I think the caption was Travis and Taylor, and there was a cute emoji with the hard eyes, um, and they posted it with this video. Take a listen. An awesome job. No turnovers by Kansas City. They got 66 yards in total offense until that play against Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling as you, Travis Kelsey. Hey, with Taylor Swift. To the victors go everything. Hey, 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 life is good, huh? Yeah, life is good. It is. All right, so a lot of people are now starting to put two and two together because you see this over the weekend where they did some new polling the Daily Mail had it. Um, it was done by Redfield Wilton Strategies, a polling company. And what they what they found is that a fifth of voters will likely back whatever candidate Taylor Swift endorses. So there's some conspiracy theories out there. And I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but maybe that she is basically going to be the talking head for the Biden administration. I also saw over the weekend where Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Michelle, they'll be all out there stumping for not President Biden, but against President Trump because they think he is the single biggest threat to our democracy. So they're pulling out all this. I mean, they are pulling everybody together to stop number 45 from potentially being 47, being a president again and would be 47th president of the United States. So if I look at the strategy uh, and look at the polling, 18 percent of voters say they're more likely or significantly more likely to vote for a candidate that is backed by Taylor Swift. Her sway was more visible with voters under the age of 35. Are we shocked by that? <laughs> I'm not. Um, they're saying this election could see 8 million new voters with a total of 41 million Gen Z voters who will ultimately be able and eligible to vote this year. They say her influence by what she posts on social media will be enough to keep President Trump out of the White House. And looking at some of Taylor Swift's comments and tweets over the years, she is no fan of the president. Back in 2020, May of 29, she wrote this. After stoking the fires of white supremacy and racism, your entire presidency, you have the nerve to feign moral superiority before threatening violence. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. We will vote you out in November. That was when she weighed into the election of 2020. Here's the deal. It may be true that they are using Taylor Swift and they are propping her up even in front of the stadium in Vegas for the big Super Bowl game because that's the link they're making. There's no secret that the NFL, they're putting the weight, they're tipping the scales in favor of the Chiefs so that Taylor Swift will make an appearance all of those people will be drawn to their screens and what Taylor Swift comes out and endorses Joe Biden the night of the, I mean, maybe, but that doesn't give us an excuse to stop working. I'm not shocked that these young kids are stupid enough to, to vote for anybody that Taylor Swift tells them to vote for. I mean, are you telling these people fawn over this girl? I wouldn't be surprised. Though. They're going to vote for yeah. whoever she says to vote oh, for yeah. the Swifties. They're an army. But I, I don't really know what to say other than we've got to work harder 
and smarter and just outvote them. Um, these kids are uneducated and they're unfortunately getting all of their information via their phones. That is a real problem that the RNC that Republicans will need to combat. Do we have a Taylor Swift in our arsenal? No, we don't. But does that mean we just throw up our, our hands and surrender and wave the white flag that we're going to lose in November? Absolutely freaking not. There's too much at stake. So maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe it's not. Would love to hear from you guys. And for the NFL guys out there, are you overseeing Taylor Swift on the big screen? <laughs> Give me a shout. 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-5926. I see your comments. We'll come back on the other side. We'll read down through some of those Stay sent our, um, excuse me, Steve Gill will be dropping by the show. We'll also be airing that pre-tape from Friday with Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson and the House Speaker Cameron Sexton. And then at 8.35 this morning, Commissioner McWright will be dropping by the show. They're going to be talking about juvenile crime. It's discouraging. It's all a mess. And there are no real tangible solutions. I can tell you that right now. Um, but on that note, we've got to scoot to break. So see you on the other side. Go grab some coffee. That's what I plan on doing. And we'll talk soon. Monday edition of the morning show. Glad to have you guys on our team this morning, and we are making strides every single day, nearing about 10,000 followers on our Stop Memphis Crime page. Not just are you followers, you are really the eyes and ears of Memphis, and just very thankful to see so much growth in the last couple of days. And it just speaks to the power of local radio and staying on these local issues. And there are so many. So let's jump into some of them with our good friend, Steve Gill, who joins us by phone this morning. Steve, how are you? Happy Monday. Hey, good morning. Happy Monday. Want to start with just some news locally, then we'll, then we'll talk 2024 and what's happening across the world. Um, 17 people shot in this city of Memphis since Friday. Nine were killed. Here are a couple tell, uh, Memphians telling Fox 13 that these shootings are absolutely terrorizing them. And who can blame them? Take a listen. Here in cut number 14. I got kids and it's really, it's really frightening me. I'm scared. Uh, just afraid to drive your car because you don't know if you'll be the next one to catch a bullet. So they're hearing from their mayor, Mayor Paul Young, and our mayor that when we look at our city, he wants folks to see our city as only being a city of black wealth and black power. Meanwhile, black victims of crime are absolutely terrorized that they might not see another day, Steve. Well, and, and again, I think uh, the, the mayor is disconnected from reality. Certainly the DA is, is the catch and release uh, policies that he ran on, got elected on. You know, again, people in Memphis have got what they voted for and have been voting for for decades. This didn't occur overnight. Memphis didn't become a crime haven overnight. Uh, and the election of a DA who ran on a policy of catch and release is giving people exactly what they asked for. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's sad but true. And when will enough be enough? Enough will be enough when we start voting all of their butts out of their offices. And let's do that ASAP. To look at... Well, and the mayor has, has revealed himself to be an abject racist with this idea that Memphis is all about blackness. And, and again, if they want to have a black city embroiled in black-on-black black crime, black-on-black black poverty, black-on-black black hopelessness and lack of education and, uh, and uh, skyrocketing illegitimacy rates, then, then they are not going to get the, the wealth and, and exceptionalism mm. that he's talking about because they have never delivered it before. Mm. Meanwhile, this story happening over the weekend, at least three U.S. troops were killed and at least two dozen were injured in a suicide drone attack. Our intelligence reporting that the attack was carried out by Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq. The question I have for you is how much longer will our president allow our sons and daughters to be slaughtered, Steve? It's unacceptable. Well, this is exactly what you get when you get uh, uh, feckless, ineffective, weak leadership. You're going to get challenged by those who are going to push you. And in the world, there are some bad actors out there who are going to take advantage of weak leadership like the Biden administration has shown. But again, uh, just as we've seen the crime rates rise in Memphis with the same policies being put in place that don't stop them, when you have the Biden administration that is inhabited by a lot of folks who are closely affiliated to Iran— who have released billions of dollars mm-hmm. to Iran, have not enforced the oil sanctions that should have been limiting Iran to about $6 billion a year in oil revenues instead of the $60 billion they've received. We've actually written them checks for billions of dollars, and they're using that money to fund the Houthis, to fund Hamas, to fund Hezbollah, to fund these other groups and, and terror groups around the world. You know, it, it's time, I think, to recognize that if these other groups, Hamas, Hezbollah, Houthis, are, are Iran proxies. The Biden administration is an Iranian proxy as well because they're putting into place the, the policies that embolden, encourage, and enable Iran to do exactly what they just did this weekend. Mm. Former President Trump strongly condemning Joe Biden for the deaths of those three U.S. troops and those casualties, writing in a statement, quote, our country cannot survive with Joe Biden as commander in chief. This attack would never have happened if I was president, not even a chance. Just like the Iranian-backed Hamas attack on Israel, that also would have never have happened. The war in Ukraine would never have happened. And we would have peace right now throughout the world. Instead, we are on the brink of World War III. I'll end with this coming from Congressman Mark Green from right out of Middle Tennessee. He said, this is a major escalation by Iranian-backed militants in the region. There must be a strong response to this attack that killed three U.S. service members and wounded many more. It is clear that Iran's financial and technological backing is allowing these attacks to continue and escalate. The Biden administration must put Iran in its place immediately and meet with this level of seriousness it deserves. Right along to what you were saying. And, and let's not forget the uh, the American service members that were killed in the debacle of an exit from Afghanistan that, uh, again, the Biden administration and the Biden Defense Department handled so poorly. Uh, and, and again, I agree 100% with Mark Green. We could shut down the, uh, the resources of Iran, enforce the sanctions to the letter of the law, not $6 billion, uh, being allowed in oil sales, zero shut them down completely with the shipment of any oil and any revenues coming in 
uh, and it wouldn't take but a couple of cruise missiles to shut down their refining capacity uh, that would also further eliminate their ability to raise funds with uh, their oil industry. And second, a couple of cruise missiles hitting their energy se- uh, sector would shut the lights off. Turn out the light, turn off the money. They may want to hurt us. They may want to hurt the help uh, find organizations that can hurt us and hurt those in the Middle East, but they're going to be throwing rocks in the dark if we shut them down. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I understand we need to meet them with force and seriousness, but I prefer the sanctions route and cutting off their dependency as opposed to sending more of our troops over there, right? Because you have these hawks like Lindsey Graham all but declaring World War III over the weekend on Fox News. No, that's not worked in years past. Let's actually enforce sanctions instead of giving them, as you pointed out, millions and millions of dollars every single year. Wanting to move on, though, because while the world is in chaos, here is what Kamala Harris is up to. She sits down with Katie Couric, which I did not know still did TV. I guess she does, Steve. Here's, I guess, issue number one for the vice president. Cut one. Meanwhile, I... Why did I think you were much taller? I re- recently learned you're only 5'2". Is that, that true? That is absolutely incorrect. Okay. <laughs> I am 5'4 and a quarter. Okay, Sometimes and I'm 5'3". 5'4 and a half and with heels, which I always wear, I'm 5'7 and a half. Thank you very much. Okay, Wikipedia, you're wrong, and we I need totally to correct wrong. that. I've said this to my team. Like, what? I don't know where it came from. I've, I was 5'2 when I was 12. They say I'm 5'1 on my Wikipedia page. How tall are you? 5'3 and 3 quarters. Right? <laughs> and shrinking. It's like literally, you, they just want to just make us smaller in every way. I know, but I, but I was excited because I'm short. And I was like, oh, Kamala is no, short No, I like am me. not. I am, <laughs> really am not. They're just trying to take oh, two and a half okay, inches okay. Ah, blame the patriarchy. They just want to make women small. Well, take your small little body and go down to the southern border and do your job. Yeah, Katie Couric giggling through another interview. Like you said, I I didn't know she was still on TV. It's not must-see TV. It's nobody sees TV. Uh, But of all the critical issues in the world, making sure that uh, Kamala's height on Wikipedia is accurate. Right, right, because that is priority for the viewers of Katie Couric. Meanwhile... The president of the United States, he was giving a couple different addresses and the guy, he's unwell, Steve. He just, we know that, but the, the screaming where he just launches into an episode, take a listen, cut four. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers and he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us just like that? Uh, okay, okay. I guess we give him an A for effort, but Steve, under President Trump's watch and leadership, we didn't have U.S. military soldiers dying. So save the outrage, Mr. President. Well, and, and once again, you got Joe Biden. Either he has to whisper with that creepy whisper or he has to scream his uh, barely... Uh, uh, un- understandable uh, rants that are outright lies. You know, if Biden didn't have lies to say, that he wouldn't have much to say at all. He'd be silent, Joe, instead of screaming or whispering, Joe. Uh, but again, th- this guy just dis- displays at every opportunity that he is unwell, unfit, and incapable of holding the position he's in, much less getting another four years to uh, to bring our country to its knees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, going to leave it there because we're coming up on a break. Steve, appreciate your analysis. You guys can follow Steve on X 
at the Gill Report. Encourage you to do that. Steve, we'll talk on Thursday. Thanks for dropping by. Uh, keep up the good work. Social media exploding for KWAM. Y'all keep it up. Yeah. Well, now that he said that, can we toot our own horn? Dylan, let's toot our own horn because we are in a radio war with other people in the market, but we're winning the war. And we got a lot of playoff base, and a lot of people are very shocked to see how strong we are digitally. Of course, yes, we want listeners to jump in their car when they're driving I-240 and turn on AM 990 or 107.9 FM, but we've seen our digital presence increase to where we have over 27,000 of you guys on Facebook. If you compare that to other people, (laughs) they've got like 3,000. Yes, I'm laughing because it's a lot of work to get here. On Instagram, over 1,745 followers. Twitter, we've got over 3,314 of you guys. And that's without our Stop Memphis Crime page. So we are dominating the market. We have a huge listening audience. And that's a fat flex. And they're interactive. They're not just listeners. No. No. You know, 90% of my stories come from them. And we share them. Because they are citizen journalists, and we've built a great, great team, so couldn't do it without you guys. And very proud to be the place where Memphis goes for for breaking news. More on the other side. Don't go away. with you guys this morning because you have been weighing in on a couple different topics you can always give us a shout phone in your opinion on the morning show we would love to hear from you guys our number 901-260-5926 901-260-KWAM is the letters behind that number a lot of you guys saying good morning and good morning to all of you guys i feel really good this morning maybe it was because the pastor at the church that i go to Man, he killed it. And when I am better spiritually, I am a better person professionally. Do you guys do you guys feel that sometimes when you're not feeling great inside? And when I say that, like your spiritual condition, and then you go in, you get the word, and you come out the other side, and you're like on top of it. And that's what happened to me over the weekend, and just very thankful for a great church. Um, I do go to Mission Church. They just underwent a name change. The pastor is phenomenal. So I left church feeling energized, ready to get to work and jump back into your news. It's weird how that works, that crossover from your spiritual life into your professional life. Chris writes this, the mayor worships the false god of black. We are all citizens of this country, white, black, green, and yellow. You know, remember that Sunday school song, Jesus Loves All the Little Children of the World, Red and yellow, black and white. Can you even say that anymore? I don't think you could say red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. Jesus, But we don't do that in the city of Memphis. And he's referring to, and I'll catch you guys up to speed if you're just joining the program. Memphis Mayor Paul Young over the weekend said, this is how he wants you to see Memphis when you hear Memphis in the headline. Don't think about the crime. Don't think about our issues with education, infrastructure, and beyond. Think of black wealth. We have that audio. Take a listen. Memphis was recently named the largest city in America with the highest number of African Americans per capita. More than any city in this country. I want to make sure that that is a designation that we hold with honor. 
that we hold with dignity. It's one that only we can claim. When people think of Memphis, we want them to think of black wealth, black culture, a city that has a soul and a swagger that can't be replicated. That's the vision that we have and the path forward for our city. But in order to get there, we're going to have to address the issues that we have around crime. On all sides of the aisle, this isn't about partisanship. This is about us. This is about our city, our state. And again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but fix our crime problem and maybe we could see the swagger. Because I want to see the swagger too, but right now, we're kind of just scared. Tennessee Original writes this to our post that we shared about this. Quote, in reality, people associate Memphis with black violence, black gangs, gangs, and a city with a downtown area nobody visits anymore out of fear of being shot out, robbed, having their car windows broken out, and burglarized, or having their car stolen altogether. Now, this was an interesting point that one of our black viewers sent into us, and her name is Rose. She said, quote, we as blacks have to start rebuilding a positive image in Memphis, and it won't be easy as long as the mind is focused on committing crimes, although that is committed by a small percentage of black Memphians. Prosecution will definitely help restoring the black image as it deters crime. It's a good point where we need black leaders in Memphis to stand up and say, this does not represent our city, but confess and admit that our policies have destroyed this city. I know that's going to be very difficult for them to do, but it was their policies from the last 60 years that led us to the hellhole that we're in now. So let's restart, if you can, and recorrect. Justin wrote in this, the funny thing is, is everyone wants to play the race card when in fact they and we need to look at the larger picture. And that's called community. These people were voted in. Vote them out if they are not doing their job. We, the people of the United States of America, need to get a grip. Mm, It's a really good point. And this was also pointed out to me, and I thought it was very interesting because to compare our city with some cities that have started to reduce their crime problem, look no further than Detroit. Detroit has been able to reduce their murder rate to the lowest level in 57 years. I mean, Detroit was no utopia. You guys know that. Carjackings are dropping by digital, dig, double digits, excuse me, and shootings are down. And get this, Detroit is 78% African-American, so they can do it. What we need to start doing in this city is stop making excuses. We need to take a slice of humble pie and consume it. But that doesn't policy well to make people own up to their responsibilities. We don't want to do that. No one wants to take responsibilities. Yes, our policies have led us to the state that we are in. And it will be our actions that will get us out of that. So well said about that. What else are you guys saying? Um, Keisha Boone writes this. This is already the longest year and January has yet to be over. (laughs) I couldn't have said that better myself. All right, let's check in with the 2024 primary process. Because Nikki Haley is once again vowing she is not bowing out of any race anytime soon, despite the fact that South Carolina is right around the corner and that is her home state and she is doing terribly in. 
I'm pulling beneath the president by 30 points, but take a listen. She thinks the momentum is on her side, and that only gets stronger, my friends. I have been consistent from the beginning, Bill. You can ask me as many times as you want. I wanted to be strong in Iowa. We did that. I wanted to be even stronger in New Hampshire. We did that. I want to be even stronger in South Carolina. We're going to do that. And then we're going to go on to Super Tuesday. This is about continuing to build. Only two states have voted. We have 48 states left. You can't go and discount all of those voters who want to vote in this election. We're going to keep going as long as we keep growing. And I think that's what the American people want. She's also saying she will stay in the race after South Carolina. Also, she's very upset with the RNC, calling them not honest brokers because they basically there was a memo where the RNC came together and they were basically like, she does not and will never have enough delegates to get her across the finish line. So let's coalesce behind President Donald Trump. She says that is the coronation of a king. Meanwhile, here is the president, and this is another story that is going to be huge this week as we look to solving the crisis at the southern border. I don't expect that to happen until we get a new president. Here he is in cut two at a campaign rally in South Carolina. We have no choice within moments of my inauguration. We will begin the largest domestic deportation operation in America. That's right. We have no choice because this is not sustainable. It's no wonder Joe Biden and his thugs are so desperate to stop us. They know that we are the only ones who can stop them. They know that. It's it's 100% true. And so I really hope that Senate Republicans and those on the House side, but right now the Senate is a mess. They're controlled by a feckless group of Republicans, Republicans in name only, You've got Senator James Langford. This is so frustrating. We have more on the other side. But basically, they're playing with the Democrats right now and playing fast and loose with that party. And right now, that party does not want to close the southern border. So I don't know why we're playing cutesy with them and going along with the whole charade. Anyways, the Oklahoma Republican Party, where he is from, Langford is from, just sent out a big memo saying that they are going to pass a resolution to censure the senator from the party. Good on them. Good on them. All right, we are going to take a break. More on the other side. Don't go away. Our telephone number, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. More on the other side. Don't go. Live from the Mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to wake up Memphis. Welcome back to the morning show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this January 29th. There's a lot to get into, and what we're going to do is hit a couple of stories, then kick to break, and you'll hear my sit down with House Speaker Cameron Sexton, as well as Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson. Very appreciative to their team. Um, after the big press conference held at City Hall on Friday, they reached out, wanted to come by the station and explain more about what this proposed constitutional amendment would mean for our city in allowing judges the ability to come in on the state side and take some of that power away from our crooked judges here in Shelby County that love to give these criminals a get-out-of-jail-free card. So the state's going to come in. It's going to end up on a ballot, and we'll have more details of that in just a couple minutes. So stand by for that conversation. This after a very busy week of crime here in Memphis, 
I understand, as I was told by our crime commission here in Shelby County, that the snow crisis had cut our crime problem in half. And it actually did. Those snow flurries and that ice storm that we got uh, about a week and a half ago, the criminals were no match. They were no match for the the Jack Frost and, and Mother Nature. So it cut the crime down 50%. Well, the weather came and the weather went and the criminals are right back out to play. Because over the weekend, 17 people, 17 people were shot. That's an un imaginable amount of people that should be literally leading every newscast in the country think about it i mean that's like chicago's numbers nine of them were killed four people were shot just last night on west river chase drive we got a report by one of our listeners they were listening to the scanners and they said it was just insane a frenzy mayhem two victims died two others were rushed to an area hospital memphis police say the suspects are not known right now and they're looking and anybody with any information please please call police so it's bad and you guys know that and it's it's interesting to see how our city comes to terms with the crime problem because you have a city that is controlled by progressives and yet you have a state that is run by a supermajority of republicans and so that is what senator brent taylor has been doing is calling on state leaders to come in and say Memphis for Memphis. Now, Senator Brent Taylor was on the show on Friday and he said, I've sat down with Governor Billy and he's well aware of the crime problem here. That's why he gave us assistance in the form of THP troopers that you see on the interstate. But at the end of the day, as Brent Taylor said in that presser, you guys have to do some of the work. So that is incumbent on all of us. Fortunately, we do have a guy like Brent Taylor. Here's what he had to say. And I think it's important to, to hear from Brent Taylor on the crime problem that we have here. Take a listen to this audio and cut 10. You know, Memphis has a very long and checkered and unique and colorful past. But that past does not have to dictate our future. You know, thousands of years ago on the banks of the mighty Nile River, in the shadow of the great Egyptian pyramids, in a city called Memphis, our history began. And I submit to you today standing on the banks of the mighty Mississippi River in the shadow of a great American pyramid in another city called Memphis, our future begins. And Tennessee's future is bright, but we have to solve this crisis in crime. Tennessee will not reach its full potential as long as its most famous city is sliding into chaos. And with this group assembled here today and this amendment that we're announcing today, the slide stops today. So from Tiptonville to Turtle Town and from Memphis to Mountain City, may God bless what we're doing here today and may God bless the great state of Tennessee. So I was down at that press conference and the district attorney was squirming, as was the police chief, who they did not get the opportunity to address the public, which is good because I don't want to hear from either of them right now. You've done nothing to solve crime. Yes, I guess you've increased the DEI quotas of hires in your departments. That's not working. So you have the House Speaker, Senate Majority Leader, Brent Taylor. You've got all of the other Republicans. You've got Kevin Vaughn, Mark White, John Gillespie was there. And then the Democrats. 
And a friend of this show, and we had a great conversation on Friday, is state rep Antonio Parkinson. Now, the guy is a progressive, but he does separate himself from the crazy crazy out there like Justin Pearson. And they did give him the opportunity to address the public. What I thought was very interesting was you could tell he was trying to defend Memphis and trying to play cover for Memphis, which is these state leaders may be in the Bluff City, but this is a Tennessee problem. This is not just a Memphis problem. Take a listen to Rep. Parkinson here in Cat 16. And this is reflective of the effort, the desire, the will, important, the political will to make some good happen in our state and to change the trajectory of not just Memphis. And I'm thankful that Memphis is the backdrop I'm thankful for our mayor that he's, he's on board with everything. But not just for Memphis, but across the entire state of Tennessee. So this is not one of those things where, you know, people can say that, you know, the state legislature is, in, 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 is forcing their will on the city of Memphis. No. This is a solution that will impact every part of our state. Now, Memphis is, yes, the backdrop, but Memphis is the backstop because... This is not happening across the volunteer state. This is a Memphis solely. This is happening only in our city. With all due respect, and I did compliment him on his outfits because he's always wearing a hat and a suit, but we got to get down to brass tacks. This is solely a Memphis problem. And look at the demographic and look at the political makeup of Shelby County. It is literally controlled and run by Democrats, your party, with all due respect. You got a couple of these activists and they were there at the press conference. This was not, I I guess, members of the public could have gone, but this was Friday around lunchtime. So no one actually in the room. It's 1030. So most people are working except the activists. They never sleep and they don't have jobs. So you got this young whippersnapper. I was standing beside him, actually, and he started yelling about the fact that we have permitless carry in the state of Tennessee and how wrong that is, why it's leading to the crime problem. Then he got an opportunity to stand in front of the cameras and talk to local media He is with the Tennessee Young Democrats here in Shelby County. Richard Massey is his name. And here's what he had to say about Senate Majority Jack Johnson and Cameron Sexton, the bad guys coming into town. Cut through. Republican supermajority in Tennessee coming here, heralding themselves as as beacons of hope in public safety is as uh, contradictory as possible. This is the same party that has legislated bills to authorize guns and trunks, as well as permitless carry throughout the state. We need uh, safe storage laws, extreme risk protection laws, and we need to end permitless carry as we know it. Oh, please. Sit down and save the activism. Because your party is absolutely doing nothing to address the guns in the back of the car, except you just want to literally get rid of all guns. And I would ask this person, not only are these thugs, thuglings, and thuglets stealing guns, they're also stealing cars. So with your logic, that would suggest that we should ban vehicles as well, and that would stop the car thefts in our city. You moron. Of course, Just City was also there. Those are the people that advocate for cashless bail. For criminals to be released out onto the streets. I tried to get a quick conversation. He did not care to talk to me to get these folks on the show. And we talked about this with the House Speaker in one second, and you'll hear that conversation because they are no fans of this proposed constitutional amendment that would give you, the voters in Tennessee, the opportunity to give more authority to the state to stop judges from allowing these crooked criminals out of jail. 
More on the other side with that KWAM exclusive. We'll be right back. 7, 9 FM, 990 AM. KWAM. And welcome back to the morning show. Joined by House Speaker Cameron Sexton and Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, who just came from a big old press conference down at City Hall. Gentlemen, thank you for dropping by the show. How are you guys? Doing great. Thank you for having us. All right. So let's talk about why it was important to come to the Bluff City to deliver these remarks concerning our crime problem before we address the big news coming out of that press conference. Well, I mean, the importance is, is we've been working with community leaders and business leaders for a long time um, in, in Memphis and across the state about crime and having safer communities and safer streets. And and so uh, there was no better place to go than to show bipartisanship and uh, working with all law enforcement and judicials and elected officials here that Republicans and Democrats can agree that this change in the Constitution is much needed. And our city really is at a tipping point where we're seeing our corporate leaders across this area getting pretty vocal about rising crime that's killing businesses. You guys got a letter that was hand delivered to Governor Bill Lee by the Greater Memphis Chamber signed by executives from some of the wealthiest companies in Memphis. No bigger maybe than FedEx. And here is what the son of FedEx founder Fred Smith had to say about it. Quote, The community has become untenable for many of our team members and their family. And if something isn't done to get this crime epidemic under control, I fear for the city's viability as a city where businesses choose to locate or remain. Uh, Go ahead. Well, it's one of the biggest responsibilities we have. And, you know, government is a partnership. You've got local governments and we represent state government. And we want to be good partners at the state level with the Tennessee General Assembly working with Governor Lee to provide the necessary tools for the local community here to make the community safer. And I think what Richard said in the quote you just read really sums it up. You know, for Memphis to reach its fullest potential, uh, that needs to happen before Tennessee can reach its fullest potential. And that's something my good friend, Senator Brent Taylor, representing Memphis and Shelby County, says frequently. Um, and so we're, that's one of the reasons we're here. And I'm very grateful that Speaker Sexton asked me to come along and join him today for this important announcement that we made. So let's talk about the constitutional amendment. The amendment would allow a judge to revoke bail for several capital crimes beyond murder. We have seen example after example, Speaker, of these violent offenders getting right back out onto the streets. How would this address a problem that so many of our listeners have? Yeah, I mean, so this this is a Tennessee problem. And mm-hmm. and because you've seen um, violent criminals who have gotten out on bail and commit another violent crime uh, days, months, or less than a year later before that, even the, the first trial was over. And so the Constitution limits the judicial branch from having enough discretion. They can only deny bail for capital offenses, which is first-degree murder. Um, We think violent crime is a big enough issue in our state that we should allow the judicial to have more discretion and empower them to make those decisions based on the criminal activity and the criminal history of that person that committed that crime. And and so this merely, all it does is give them the, the ability to have a little bit more discretion on more crimes than just capital offenses. Memphis Mayor Paul Young described today's announcement as bipartisan, but of course it became quickly partisan. Representative Justin Pearson, who was not at today's press conference, wrote the following. Today, Cameron Sexton is coming to our city to promote more bad Tennessee House GOP ideas about public safety. We do not need more laws and policies that fall or fail our community, lock up our children, and disproportionately harm black communities. Now, my boss, Todd Starnes, wrote the following. Black on black crime is at epidemic levels in Memphis. 
But of course, he doesn't want to talk about that. So what would you say to those that say this legislation or this amendment is just going to jail everybody? Let's debunk that once and for all. Well, you can't jail people if they don't commit a crime. Uh, And so that's the first thing to remember. Not everybody's out there committing crime. You know, uh, the bulk of the time, if you talk to law enforcement, um, the 20% or less of the population is usually like 5% of the population is the one who's committing 80% of the crime. So uh, the crime is not going to be committed by everybody, but you actually have to commit something and do something wrong to actually be before a judge. That's the important part. And the other thing is, is this was a bipartisan thing. Unfortunately for that representative, um, he's outside of his uh, delegation. His delegation doesn't agree with his stance on this legislation and what this means. Um, and, and so as you continue to look at other things, there's many pieces that you can go to to, to help fight crime, intervention programs, um, other things that you can do. Um, and this is one piece that's surely needed. And I think you saw the law enforcement and the DAs turn out and Democrat and Republicans turn out and community leaders turn out to say that this is the right first step for us or I think probably the third step by now. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Shelby County District Attorney General Steve Mulroy, who was at the presser, told the Daily Memphian following it, the amendment would be largely ineffectual because of existing judicial discretion on setting bail. He said he would support the amendment if its text included a specific reference to allowing judicial discretion. And we expect some pushback probably from this city. So on your side, it would have to what? Pass the House and the Senate in two consecutive years. Do I get that right before it goes to the public? Yeah, it's actually in two consecutive general assemblies. So a a general assembly is a two-year period, and each general assembly has two regular sessions. Sometimes we have special sessions, but we are in now the second session of the 113th General Assembly. So this resolution, which I do expect to pass in both the House and the Senate, it does have to pass both chambers in this general assembly by at least a simple majority. And then sometime in the 114th General Assembly, and there's two sessions, it could be either session, the resolution would need to pass by a two-thirds majority of both chambers, each chamber. And at that time, it would go before the voters to be ratified uh, on the same ballot that there's a gubernatorial election, which would be 2026. All right. A lot of our listeners are big fans of Brent Taylor, a true fighter. And he was on the show this morning, and he said he's trying to show the rest of the state that Memphis matters. How effective has his letters been in getting West Tennessee the resources we need to combat crime? Well, I mean, I think over the last several years, you can look in the state of Tennessee and Governor Lee and the General Assembly has um, uh, put a lot of money into Memphis to fight violent crime. You saw the Highway Patrol increase the number of Tennessee Highway Patrol in West Tennessee and Shelby County, which has helped with uh, a lot of things on on the on 40 and 240 and Sam Cooper and other places. So. Um, it has been successful. Other members have been successful. And I will say about General Mulroy, you know, we're not going to agree on a lot. And and I think he is um, not understanding what the current Constitution is, which does give you good judicial discretion. And so what we are doing is going to allow judicial discretion. So, look, at the end of the day, um, hopefully some of these soft on crime people um, will will come to the place and, and, and work with us on this. I think Just City probably won't. Um, but that's okay. I wasn't expecting them to. But I will take the Democrat and the Republicans of the General Assembly working together to, to solve this issue. Yeah. I mean, here's one example before we wrap up that garner national media attention because they will say this is just Republicans wanting to lock people away in jail. And that's just not the case. Towards the end of November, on a Sunday night, a 15-year-old was gunned down in Binghampton, killed on the steps of his grandmother's home. 
Police arrested the two suspects. It was an 18-year-old Eddie O'White and a 15-year-old Connor Tucker. By Thursday, Eddie O had been released on his own recognizance, even though he confessed to actually committing the murder. So this is actually happening. This is not just some Republican, quote-unquote, racist talking point. Well, and that's a great example right there to what Speaker Sexton was saying about judicial discretion. That's an instance right yeah. there where the individual could have been held under the current constitutional guidelines without bail and yet was released. Not only was was that individual released with no bail, uh, he was released on his own personal recognizance. So, or rather, he, he could have been released with bail. Uh, so, you know... It, Back to the judicial discretion, that is an important component of that. But the judges here in Shelby County are elected by the people of Shelby County. And I think that my time spending uh, that I've spent here in Shelby County and certainly talking to our colleagues in the General Assembly, the vast majority of Memphians and Shelby Countyans are, are crying out for assistance yep. in wanting to fix this problem. And this constitutional amendment will be an, an important additional tool that will be available to the judiciary. It will be up to them to use it because there will be judicial discretion. But I'm hopeful that this community will continue to rally and, uh, and, and put pressure on those in the judicial uh, system to get these people off the streets. Speaker, last word. Yeah, let me close this up and, and let's just think where we've come from. In 2022, we passed truth in sentencing for a large part to make sure violent criminals serve the entire sentence, 100%, 85% minimum. What we saw at the end, the last six months of 2022, there was an article by a liberal news outlet that said, oh my gosh, the, the prison population has increased by 1,600, but crime has dropped significantly in the state of Tennessee. Think about that, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, if you commit crime, you should do the time. I don't think there's anybody out there that says that, right? Especially violent crime. You should do the time you should do every single day. And so crime has dropped. In the state of Tennessee, murders are down 15%. Property crimes are down. Crimes against other people are down. Crime is down overall in the state of Tennessee. Unfortunately, in Memphis, we have a progressive DA with some progressive judges who are trying things that are not working, that you've seen not work in Washington and Oregon. And now we're working with Democrats to come back and say, What can we do to allow the judges to hold people over? Why should you let someone who is a career criminal, who's a repeat offender that has especially aggravated kidnapping or robbery, carjacking, child rape no less, why should it automatically be that they get bail? Why should not the judge use their discretion and use the Constitution to say, let me make sure that them going back on the street is safe for society in the community? That's what this is saying. The judge makes the decision putting them back out and giving them bail, does that make us safer or less safe? And then if they think it's less safe, they can keep them in jail. Mm -hmm. Seems pretty logical, doesn't it? Thank you both for dropping by, by again, House Speaker Cameron Sexton and Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson. Thank you. Keep up the good fight. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up our conversation we had on Friday after that press conference. And they raised such a good point because... You know, the the narrative from the left will be that this is just going to discriminate against black Memphians and fill in the blank. That is very that that is a racist thing to say that that's immediately where progressive minds go. But as we shared in the first hour, you have a family among many families that were just ripped apart over the weekend when you have 17 people shot. Nine of them were killed. This situation with this young woman named Shantaria Vergis. She was killed, mom of two, in Frazier Saturday. And guess what? Where is the perpetrator walking the streets? Here's what the family had to tell WREG. Wanting justice, and there will be none because of their policies. Take a listen, cut 12. She was, she was just an all-around sweet person. 
and the things that happen to our just and the story that they're telling it, it just doesn't add up i am serious that no charges have been filed and i'm really wishing that somebody could pick this up and have an invest uh, a thorough investigation going on now newsflash for people like the district attorney radical groups like just city black memphians also want tough on crime policies too because they have been on the receiving end of your bad policies for over 60 years. How's that been working for them? Not well. More on the other side with Shelby County Commissioner Mick Wright. The commissioners are expected to be addressed by the juvenile court judge Tarek Sugarman, which gives me no pleasure to hear because the guy is weak. And frankly, we just need some actual tangible solutions. That all expected to go down today at 3 o'clock. We'll talk to Commissioner McWright about that on the other side. But want to hear from you guys. Phone, call, uh, phone calls this morning, 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-KWAM. We're on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. Did want to hit this national headline because it's critically important and shows again that we are a weak, weak country under a feckless leader, President um, President Biden. The former president has now responded to the latest where we learned that three U.S. troops were killed and at least two dozen were injured in a suicide drone attack. Our intelligence telling us that attack was carried out by Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq. Here's what the former president, former President Trump had to say. Our country cannot survive with Joe Biden as commander-in-chief. This attack would never have happened if I was president, not even a chance. Just like the Iranian-backed Hamas attack on Israel would have never have happened. The war in Ukraine would also never have happened. We would have peace right now throughout the world. Instead, we are on the brink of World War III. The president did, and the current president did release a statement on this, and he said, Jill and I joined the families and friends of our fallen in grieving the loss of these warriors in this despicable and wholly unjust attack. Have no doubt we will hold all of those responsible to account at this time and in a manner are choosing. Okay. okay. So maybe, just maybe, President Biden, don't give them $6 billion dollars sanction-free dollars to Iran with their oil. I mean, this truly is preventable. And the question I would have if I was running for office, and I think the president is doing a good job at this, Trump, is did we have peace while I was president or did we have, again, the country descending to the brink of World War III? It's a yes or no question. Same with the border. This is why this primary and this general will will end up being a very interesting one. One we haven't seen before where we have a current president running against a past president. You compare the two contrast. It's very simple. Do we have the invasion at the southern border? The answer would be no. Could people afford their groceries and their gas? The answer would be yes. Under a former president, Donald Trump administration. And same with this conflict happening in the Middle East right now. If you remember, he was a peacetime president, not a wartime president. And right now, I don't, I don't feel like going and signing. Well, listen, if the country needs me, I will go. But I do not want to see me and all of my friends have to go fight an unnecessary conflict because we have a weak president. Though sometimes in Memphis, I feel like we are fighting. That's another story, which brings us right back home. 
Shelby County Commissioner Mick Wright on the phone line this morning. Commissioner, good morning to good morning to you. It was great seeing you on Friday, my friend. How are you? Yes, I'm doing well. Good morning and, and happy Monday. It was good to see the state come to Memphis once again. This is now a series where the press conference, and before you jumped on, we had a pre-tape with House Speaker Cameron Sexton and Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson and their remarks as to why we need maybe a possible constitution amendment that would address what we're seeing as a revolving door where these judges are giving these criminals a a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, it's always good to see those state leaders, and this is a direct, uh, uh, this is the result of of Senator Taylor really bringing that to his colleagues and saying, come to Memphis, come see what we're about, come be a, a part of what we need to do to get control of all this crime. And the state has responded, and it's, so it's it's just a blessing to see that they care about Memphis and, and they're bringing some solutions for us. You sat down with the Daily Memphian reporter, and I was reading down through the piece, and you're basically hinting, and not hinting, you are straight up calling out incompetency in every government agency here, whether that be the Shelby County Health Department, whether that be our superintendent search. We still don't have a superintendent, Mick. It's unbelievable. And then, of course, crime. And you said that you don't blame the virus, COVID-19, but you do think that was a pivotal moment for our county and the way that we now lean on that as a crutch. Explain what you mean by that, because it was very interesting. Yeah, that was uh, a a talk that I had back, I guess, last week sometime uh, with the Lakeland Chamber and the Daily Memphian was there to, to pick up on the comments. But I was saying that um, if you look across all the the categories that are so important to Memphis and Shelby County, whether it's crime, whether it's our economy, uh, our education system, all of them were massively harmed by how the government responded to the virus. So not the virus itself, but, but the government policy. And so since then, the crime skyrocketed. Our schools, you know, our, our kids were kept out of school. Uh, inflation happens because of what the government did. So all of these things uh, are a result of, of those policies, and, and we've got to get a handle on all those areas. One of your comments, and they grabbed that and put it in this Daily Memphian piece, was, quote, you're going to see my ugly face all over the news media until something changes here. Maybe prompting you to your rant on X, because it got a lot of play, where you said, Agency after agency, they're not doing their job. We could talk about the clerk, Shelby County Clerk Juana Halbert, but we've done that. We could talk about the superintendent search. So let's stop there real quick before we get to crime. Your report you guys got on the commission side last week addressing the lack of of cases being processed. Where are we in the superintendent search? Because it seems to me we're spending a lot, a lot of money on potential superintendents that have no idea the problems we're facing. When in reality, though I understand Tony Williams, who is the interim, said at the time she did not want the job, and so they kind of looked over her. We we kind of have something here, and do we waste our tax dollars, Commissioner, looking for these superintendents from Oregon, for example? Exactly, exactly. Why on earth? Would we look uh, look over our current leadership 
who is doing a great job. She is an excellent communicator. Um, tackling, she's got a column out today in the Daily Memphian about crime and what the school system is doing about it. It's a big, massive task, but she is on top of all these issues, and she grew up in Memphis. She knows our community. Um, she's a, a great leader, and instead, they're passing over her. They've done this search now twice. Now we have three candidates. One of them is out of I think Portland or somewhere. Yeah. And, and so why would we spend all this money to bring in these people who don't know our community? They're going to have to learn all of those things all over again. And we're going to have to start from scratch again. It's just a complete waste. She, you referred to that opinion piece she wrote and her quote was unite for youth protection. It's a collective responsibility. And she goes on to say, we've lost 38 students more than half as a result of violent acts. I position myself and this district as a crime fighter, which I thought was pretty good because yes, we need an educator in MSCS, but we also need a crime fighter because right now it's affecting the classroom, Mick. Yeah, and they they say that um, the majority, the vast majority of youth crime is happening outside of school hours. And so the schools are doing at least a better job now of trying to figure out what is driving those behaviors and how to put uh, resources right where the need is to increase supervision of, of young people, to give them some, some opportunities to, to engage in, in other uh, positive ways in the community. And so she's, she's a, the school system and superintendent Tony Williams they are a part of the solution, and I'm, I'm glad to see her step up and say that. Yeah. Um, all right, so you guys got a report from former Judge Robert Carter. He was appointed by Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland to review the criminal courts and how, how ineffective they are. And what he reported over to you guys was pretty appalling, where you have over 17,000 pending cases right here in Shelby County. 40 done and delivered last year that is so unacceptable to me and you pointed this out because a story that's getting national attention now is this popular memphis dj that was found beheaded this headline up by fox 13 you point out that that case will go to trial in not 2030 which would be a long ways out 2055 commissioner (laughs) that that is like parody that that well that was my tongue-in-cheek uh uh, way of, of right. that, that that's not a that's not a real number, but but if you look at the rate of only forty uh, forty trials completed over a fourteen month period, so more than a year, and we've got these you know thousands of cases pending, and so what Judge Carter told us in his report is that um, we've got to get on the ball here because the the criminals know that there's no accountability. And so there's there's just no incentive for them to work with the courts and to um, the plea out or, or to come to an agreement. Um, they're just say, well, we'll wait on the trial, but the trial might not be for another ten years. Mm-hmm. So it's snowballing the problem. Yeah, there's and no deterrent I, I, to crime, Commissioner. Right, but I was I was listening to the show earlier. You were talking about Detroit. And that is an outstanding example of where they've been able to bring down crime. And all they did, all they did 
was look at the court, the criminal courts, and they said, we've got to speed this process up. We've got to bring in resources to get through these cases so that these re- repeat offenders are no, no longer out on the streets. All right. So today you guys will be addressed by the juvenile court judge, correct? And you'll be talking about the current state of the juvenile court. Here's what one of your colleagues had to say about it. He was on the show on Friday. Um, Charlie Caswell, the Democrat, here's what he had to say. Take a listen to this and cut 13. Right now, I would say that's big. It's that sadly, we see many of these young people are going into our juvenile justice system, yet in there, uh, just having the judge at our committee, uh, public ad hoc committee the other day, was the fact that we're lacking the real rehabilitation, mental health, and other services that that is required by state law, Tennessee, and according to 39, that we provide these services to these young people. There's a lot of concern there, uh, just the fact that we know that we are historically dealing with a lot of cases and we had had Department of Justice and others to come investigate uh, some of the things that was not doing uh, over the year or not done over the years at, at the uh, for the youth in, that, in our jail system. But one, we're trying to speed that process up. So that resource we put in place, but we, we see that we're going to have to do more. Uh, and some of that that's going to be coming up uh, Monday uh, in the commission is that where the prosecutors feel that they should and, and they should have more uh, resources for prosecutors in, in that in that space. All right. So you guys have already vowed to give them more funding. What needs to be done and what do you expect to hear from the judge today? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things there. The the judge was was with us on Thursday at that public safety ad hoc, so that might be what the commissioner is making reference to. Mm-hmm. But the court was um, was there and talking about how how they have some programs to offer the kids, but they don't have the funding to pay for those programs. So it really is a pickle there. The county really doesn't have. Um, the the repeating recurring revenue to 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 pump into something like that we do have some one-time funding that's still available from from the bailouts and and the the covid money all of that some some one-time funding is available but that that's something to take a look at in the future of how do we make sure that the what the court is doing juvenile court that they have enough resources to provide that intensive supervision of kids to make sure that they're not out there committing more crimes. All right. We'll be following that today later. All right, Commissioner, I'm going to leave it there because we're coming up at the end of the break. Appreciate you dropping by and keep on getting that news coverage because it's going to take people like Brent Taylor, yourself, Amber Mills, raising the red flag until something is done about it. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. All right, Shelby County Commissioner Mick Wright. More on the other side. Don't go away. Trump writes, this brazen attack on the United States is yet another horrific and tragic consequence.